0: just called to say <laughs> i love you hey welcome everybody are you going yet okay <laughs> you can cut off the stuff.
1: you can't see the screen i can't yes no i can't <laughs> see anything <laughs> i wanted
2: I, to put it there but i decided not
0: to i didn't bring my my contact my uh x-ray contacts so Hey, everybody, welcome to the Paranormal Peeps Show. Not a peep show, but the Paranormal Peeps Podcast, which is better than a peep show, well, for mostly. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I guess it depends.
1: Everybody is now but. blushing around
0: this table. Well, <laughs> <laughs> let's see who's blushing the most. Uh, Jamie. Just, Jamie, yeah, Jamie's probably <laughs> blushing the most. But hey, welcome to the Paranormal Peeps Podcast. We appreciate you coming back. Uh, Apparently, the first three episodes were not that bad, so you're back for another round, which we love it. So, just kind of introduce everybody going around the table. My name is Mike. Uh, I'm the the most obnoxious one here at the table. To my left, we have... Josh. He's the handsome one. Jamie. She's the blushing one. Laura. Laura, what are you? She's the super smiley one at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) She's stifling a smile. To your left. Alisa. Alisa, she's she's the really quiet one. And Terry. She's my wife. She's the one that keeps smacking me. Every time I say something stupid, she's going to smack me, and you'll probably hear it sometime through the episode.
2: Her arm's going to get very, t- very t- Yeah,
0: I'll be like, go, go, Gadget, smack Mike in the face.
2: <laughs> so, uh, we appreciate you coming back. Uh, we do want to give a couple of shout-outs. Josh, give us our shout-outs. So we'd like to give a shout out to all of our international fans over in Holland and in France.
0: Woohoo! <laughs> we, we, we. Wow. <laughs> I don't shout know. Out. I don't Yay! know any French, but we should we should want to say shout out in French. Anybody here know French?
1: No, don't no. look at me. Hopefully,
0: they know English
2: if they don't this is got to be really boring so anyway thank you to our international listeners we appreciate you so we want to give a shout out to one of our Holland listeners in particular and why because he's one of our avid listeners from the beginning so he was one of the first handful to actually download the, the first podcast so um, and I do apologize in advance if I mess this up but Haif thank you for listening
3: Thank you.
0: Thanks for being a pioneer, buddy. So, and keep telling your friends so we can have more international listeners because then we can just feel like we're really cool. So, who else we got on our shout-out list of the day?
1: Um, I would like to uh, give a shout-out to all my friends and family um, in various states. Um, And I do know we can view and see who's downloaded what in what area. Um, I have not seen where my family has actually listened. (laughs) But I do know that they give us very strong support and encourage us to keep going.
0: Wait, if they haven't listened, they can't have shout-outs on the show. They
1: get a shout-out. Well, Nicole especially, um, she's a team member of CPR, and she just had another surgery, and she's in the hospital. And so we want to uh, give her a shout-out and let her know we're thinking of her and wishing her a speedy recovery. quick.
0: And here's for four hours of just listening to nothingness while you're sitting there in a hospital bed.
3: Yeah, (laughs) We'll put you to sleep.
0: Take your mind off. Okay, so we also want to give a shout out to all the members of the Payson Historical Society for their information and their help for and allowing us to investigate what we're going to talk about tonight, which is the Petite Neat Academy and Historical Museum. So it's known, it used to be the Academy, now it's the museum, it's kind of... It's, it's kind of a free-for-all of everything in the city of Payson. Payson's a small town, southern Utah County. It's a little while, a little while south of Salt Lake City. It's uh, where Elisa was born and where she spent all Water of her rice. mischievous youth. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we want to thank the, the members of the Payson Historical Society for helping out and for allowing us to come in to invade their space and to experience what we're going to share with you. So, way to go, Payson! Woo! Wow, nobody else <laughs> Wow.
2: I was the only one that had Why a good are you time shaking there. Your head, GB?
1: He's looking at me like and and I'm, I'm
2: like, what? And I was stone silent, so obviously my know. fault too. <laughs> but yes, we want to say definitely thank you so much for allowing us to come out and hang out with you guys. It was absolutely wonderful. Before we get into the petite
0: meat uh, story though, which we we know you're sitting on the edges of your seats just waiting. You're like, just drooling, waiting, like, patini, patini. We do want to talk about one more thing. Last night, we actually had our team's first official, because we've had other investigations as a team, but our first official residential investigation as this particular group. Most of us have a lot of experience doing um, residential investigations. And that's where we come out to somebody's house, you know, someone's got haunts going on in their house. They're nervous, things are weird, are happening and it freaks you out well you don't have to just deal with that you have people that you can call that can come and we can investigate it we can find out what's going on we can get rid of it if you want to get rid of it but uh, there's no need for it to live in fear we don't charge for these we just come out as just kind of a public service sharing our expertise and our experience to help uh, help you out so if you've got stuff going on reach out to us and uh, you know we we definitely have a website uh, where, where can you go to 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 reach out to us sir Josh? It's uh, ParanormalHope.com ParanormalHope.com Let's talk about last night. So it was our first uh, official
2: residential. Um, Who wants to go first? Well, I'll give a little backstory. So we got contacted by uh, this lady and she was having some issues in her house. Her son had gone into um, the master bedroom, uh, was turning on a light and... When, while he was in there he turned around and looked and there were two shadow figures by the dresser when they noticed that he saw them they ran out of the, out of the room and so and the one I guess the part that really kind of shook them a little bit is it pretty simply ran backwards and looked at him the whole way out so that part was kind of scary in itself and then on top of it they have this closet and they have a bunch of games and stuff in there um, and one of their games was a uh, Tetris Boppet. I know what a normal Boppet is. I'm, not until last night, I never seen a Tetris Boppet. But it would go off on its own in the closet. And a lot of times you think, well, you know, that's like some vibration or anything like that. But when we actually looked at it up there, it was sitting on a flat shelf with nothing touching it. So the chances of it going off by itself pretty Very slim. Pretty low. Yeah. So. That's a little bit of the, uh, the fun backstory of that one.
0: Okay, so yeah, we got there, um, and uh, most of our team was there. Lisa wasn't able to come; we really missed her. Wah,
4: wah, 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 wah. <laughs> but, she, <laughs>
0: but she, was there in spirit. I wish I
4: could have been there. Been but
0: uh, so, since everybody was there, I hope I want everybody to participate in this uh, this conversation here. So uh, we got there, introduced ourselves, kind of heard about some of the story. Uh, one of the things that I thought was really interesting that she that she said was happening was that there was a picture that was on the wall that had been knocked off of the wall, but it didn't knock any other things that were around it. Like, it should have hit more things, and it didn't. And it's, something like that happened at our house once as well, so I totally, that one really resonated with me, because, you know, we'd experienced that, and it definitely was something paranormal at our house. Uh, she had said that uh, this particular picture had one of the big wires across the back and then the hooks, yet... Nothing was broken. Nothing was disturbed. So that was one of the, the cool things that had happened.
3: Laura, why don't you tell us what you found in the bedroom?
0: Yeah, tell us, Laura.
3: Well, I was out talking with the family um, about some deceased loved ones. And um, you guys actually found it before I went back there. Like Jamie
1: and Josh were back there doing some stuff.
3: Yeah, but I think it was all validated. I think I found the same thing everybody else did. And we were able to... Uh, there was a there was an entity back there that we were able through all of us we just worked beautifully teamwork but um, we were able to identify as uh, a, somebody from the building over that had committed suicide. Josh actually felt pain in the head and we yep. were able to determine that it was a gunshot to the head, suicide.
0: And ironically, the space where this guy was at was that same spot where the son had seen these shadowy figures that were, had totally freaked him out. Yeah. So, and we're back there in the same bathroom. And in fact, it was really cool. She actually had her son, her son drew us a picture and like a little map of where he saw it. And it was like
2: right there. And it was just kind of funny, yeah. Yeah, I remember the, the part that was kind of cool though, was when we were sitting there and we are talking with the homeowner uh, in that bedroom. And um, there was a, a plastic garbage bag on the floor. It had some, um, I'm not sure if some stuff in the can roll was in there. But as we're sitting there talking and ignoring it, it actually moved the stuff in the bag and you can hear the bag rustle.
3: Yeah, that was cool.
2: So that was neat. Yeah. He
3: kept walking through me too. I could feel him walk through me and I would get dizzy and lightheaded and he was pacing and he was enjoying that. Yeah. Making me feel goofy. He was kind of a troublemaker. (laughs) But he was ready to cross and we were able to cross him at the end of the night.
2: Yeah, and then I think the the other part that was really cool, and unfortunately we didn't get it on any type of camera, um, but I did pull the boppet out of the out of the closet and put it on the kitchen table, and we put a stick of selenite on it, and as soon as we did that, the thing went off.
1: Oh, it started going crazy.
2: What did yeah. it do, Terry?
1: Um, It just started making all the like the noises, like when you turn the boppet on, and to you know, like, instructions on how to play. But the weird thing, I wish we would have gotten this on camera because the three of us that were there there was me and Mike and Jamie. And usually, when a bop it, you know, it's like you don't play with it, it says, you know, I'm going to sleep. This thing said, I'm not going to sleep. All three of us heard it say not. That's scary. And it was, it like, and it then even scary, after, it was awesome. And well then even after <laughs> it said that, it kept going. It didn't go to sleep, it just kept going. Yeah. And then it stopped, and not even like five seconds later, it came back on and started going crazy again. And we kind of got confirmation that um, it was really upset that we had put the selenite on it and it was not happy having the selenite placed on it. So we actually ended up taking the batteries out of it. And then we staged it and told her to keep
3: the batteries out of it. <laughs> so we did catch it one time though on tape. going off With nobody around it. Yeah, had, yeah, we did catch it going off, but we never caught it with it saying,
1: I'm not going right. to sleep.
0: So for all we know, for everything that we understand, when we left the house, it should be a lot lighter. And uh, you
1: could feel the difference in the house. Oh yeah, you, you know, could, the you, family. you yeah. totally could. Versus when we left. Um,
0: even the, just the temperature, like in that in that back, that master bedroom, when you first walked in, it was kind of colder and it was heavier.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then it warmed up after things, you know, and was just a lot lighter. And, it
3: was awesome.
0: Yeah, and that's and that's what it's about. That's why we like to do these things. We like to uh, to help other people. And like I said before, share our expertise, our knowledge, and if we can help them understand and not be afraid, and if we can help clear things out, and even help spirits
2: to to cross over that are stuck here, then that's what it's about. That's why we enjoy what we do. So let's get into our actual investigation um, notes and some history about the school itself. So, um, for all of you who haven't been to Utah before, uh, Payson is a city that's like Mike said before, is south of Salt Lake City. Um, and it, uh, it was founded in 1850. Um, three families showed up, and they showed up in covered wagons. Um, and they showed up in October. And then in November, six more families showed up. It was like the station wagons of the 1850s. They're deluxe. <laughs> uh, and then in December, seven more families showed up. So in all, you had 16 families. So in 1851, so notice, unfortunately, they showed up in the winter. They couldn't do anything until the spring. So they're living in wagons in the winter here.
3: With little food. All, I mean, whatever they would have brought in. There was no gathering that, that late in the season. And... No. It
2: would have been whatever they had left over when they crossed the plains. Yeah,
3: crazy.
2: So in 1851, they built a small fort. Now, they ended up taking the logs off the river of the creek. It's called Petit Neat Creek. It was original, so the fort was originally called Petitneat after the local Indian chief, um, and then later in 1851, Brigham Young uh, changed the name to Payson to actually honor um, the the founding leader there, which is Paces. It was probably just easier to say too,
0: and spell. And spell, and like if, spell. if you're gonna be like writing legislation to the city of Petitneat, yeah. the
1: town, yeah, it's a lot of ease. It's almost like Mississippi. Yeah, With all these.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Like there's only four consonants in the rest of your E's.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of what they, what they did anyway. They come and they kind of, you know, Englishized, every, English-ized everything.
1: That would be yeah. Awesome
2: for hangman. <laughs> oh, that would be oh, uh, good. Wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so we'll fast forward a few years down to 1897. Um, at this point in time, the fort's kind of a hopping and bopping place. Uh, they have four schools already in place, and they're each on the four corners of the fort. They realized that all these schools are overloaded. They need something to do, some place to put more people. Um, so they came up with this idea to build a new school to house all the grades from 1 through 8. And
1: helicopter?
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. If you can hear that in
0: the background, that's a life flight helicopter flying someone to safety. <laughs>
1: Go live
2: flight. <laughs> so out west of town was a, was an old gravel bed. And they decided, you know what? This would be a great place to put a school. The funny thing is, is that when they determined it, they're like, you know, this is too far outside of town for the kids on the west side of of town to go to school. If you've ever been to Payson, we're only talking eight blocks. This is not that far. But it was uphill both ways, and when it (laughs) snowed, because this is Utah,
0: you get the picture.
3: Barefoot, yeah.
0: Since there were no buses,
2: yeah, that was an issue. Yeah, this is real life problems here. Come on. Actually, the first buses that they used were actually uh, horse drawn carts. Well, obviously. Wow. So, uh, so in 1902 they completed the building and it opened it up uh, to the first set of, of students. So in 1909, or sorry, 1905, they added ninth graders. So now you've got first through ninth in this school. Uh, in 36. They added a hot lunch program, which you know, uh, growing up, we were all used to having hot lunch at school, most of us, yeah. you know, unless you you know brought sandwiches or something. So up until then, they didn't actually have anything.
0: And it's actually a really cool building too. It's like a three-story building um, that they built. Uh, it was three-story stone and brick structure designed by a, in a Victorian Romanesque style, so if you're visualizing it, you can Google it, which we love Google because it helps things, but kind of visualize as we're talking about it, visualize
2: this in your head, it's this big structure, has a big belfry on top, looks kind of creepy now. The interesting thing is the belfry didn't have a bell on it when it was first created. It was actually willed after one of um, one of the members passed away. So when it was time for all
0: the kids to come inside, they just hung the most obnoxious kid up there on a rope and he just squealed.
3: <laughs>
2: come inside! Math time! I'm just kidding. <laughs> and then in 1958, they added another wing. Um, this, this wing housed um, an auditorium and a kitchen, and then down the basement they had extra room for classrooms and a library. And a dungeon. No dungeon, sorry. With a dragon yeah yes. with dragons. <laughs> uh and so, in the nineteen eighty eight the school was closed. The new schools were coming into play, they needed to have more uh more room, and so they ended up closing it. The cool thing about that is that in the original deed to the property, there was a clause in there that, that said if this if it's never used as a school anymore, it goes back to the city so this actually kind of saved it from absolute destruction to start off at the you know or off the bat
3: well there was a lot of these similar or exact buildings in the little towns around and they all got torn down I think there's one still remaining in Springville but I think all the other towns that had the same design got torn down because they didn't have clauses you know the schools torn down and built a new school where it was at
2: Yeah. and so at least this one was saved and then back to the city um, and it sat empty for many many years and so eventually, the city was trying to figure out what to do with it. They're like, you know what, we might as well tear it down. It's costing us a lot of money. This isn't going to work out for us. And so the great people of the uh, people preserving Petite Neat, it was started by uh, Gordon Taylor and, I'm sorry, Dr. Gordon Taylor and Larry Brown. So they started this preservation pres- society. And they're actually the ones that help keep it up and running today. So. If you go to the museum today and get a tour, it's gonna to be one of the members of this society that's actually volunteering their time to teach everyone the history of Payson.
0: I think one of the things that also helps that is uh, it's been listed on the National Register of Historic Places since May 30th of 1990, which does make it a lot harder to tear the place down as well. It does. So
2: so today, um, other than being just a museum, people host weddings there. There's also dance. Stuff going there.
4: Stuff. Elisa knows all about that. Elisa's yes. like
2: dancing over in her chair.
4: <laughs> Fond memories. I danced there for many, many years growing tell, up.
0: Tell us about. it. Never mind. You don't. We don't want to know. <laughs> Mike, tell us about Chief Petit. Chief Petit he was a very small man. That's why he was named Petit. And he was very <laughs> neat. He <laughs> was small and very clean.
1: If you've not met Mike,
2: he's a liar about most <laughs>
0: I'm just goofy. Life's more fun when you're goofy, I promise. Try it.
2: It's just embellishments, not lies. Uh,
0: so Petitney was was uh, chief of, a, of one of the Ute bands. Uh, Ute Indians are, are known throughout the Utah area. That's actually why the state of Utah is named Utah. It's after the Ute tribe. But uh, he was uh, one of the uh, smaller chiefs uh, of the area. He was actually very friendly to the, the Mormon settlers that came in. Um, not all Indian uh, or Native Americans were as receptive to the uh, the settlers as they came in, that because the settlers, I mean, you got to look at it this way, right? This is our land, and all of a sudden you have six station wagons full of neighbors. So, like, say you have a yard, and then six na- six station wagons or minivans, because we're in the age of minivans, show up with all these people and all their kids, and they're running all over your yard and they're drinking your food or eating your food. <laughs> they're drinking your lemonade. They're playing on your stuff. They're breaking your stuff. They're raiding your fridge. This is kind of what the settlers, you know, did. I mean, they, these were like sacred lands. All of a sudden, their livestock are eating stuff that you rely on. And so there was a lot of animosity through settlers, right? This is where everybody knows this. But Patini was actually very friendly and very supportive of, of the settlers. He was actually very cool. The ideal neighbor, for the most part. In fact, there was a... Uh one point where uh, the, uh, there was some, you know, skirmishes going back and forth and there was uh, what they called a Mormon militia had gone down to kind of fight um, some of this band. Petitney was away and when he came back they actually found some of his people had been decapitated apparently which doesn't sound like the uh, typical Mormon settler type treatment, but I wasn't there. But anyway, he actually went to the uh, the fort and kind of raised the stink but was actually he let it go over it was kind of
3: well the thing I found interesting about that too is that was that was February of 1850 and then you have all these families in October so just a few short months you think if he was angry he, and that, he could still be holding a vengeance there and take out but he didn't stuff, but he didn't. He was like cool yeah he was awesome he's like when you go over to your neighbor's house and you break their
0: TV and they're like ah don't worry about it yeah. okay he was like okay I'm a little mad but It'll, it'll get. We'll, we'll, fix it. He was just pretty cool, and I, I got to say that was really impressive. One of the things I've, that I learned about him. Um, he, uh, you know, he, he uh, helped. He watched them build their. Uh,
1: this is say up there. It talks about how they wouldn't have survived the winter in 1850 if it wasn't for Meat's help.
0: Well, no, because they were living in, in covered yeah. wagons. It's like that's that's harsh living anyway. Yeah. So you got to have cool neighbors and they were it was just very supportive of, of, of his new neighbors and they kept giving land and So um, very cool neighbor anyway, very very friendly to all the settlers uh, The chief actually died in 1861 under some mysterious circumstances And the interesting thing is on his deathbed he gave the orders to have his wife killed And buried in the valley below his burial Just you know just down below him so that they could go into the afterlife together such a loving husband. You know that's not uncommon though. Like the, I think the ancient Egyptians did that too, didn't Please they?
2: Have to
3: have me killed on your deathbed. <laughs> yeah, but I also read a story where she actually shot him. That's what i He lived a curious. day. He lived one day, and so he knew. <laughs> so he was he was free. Like, all right, woman, I'm taking you with me. I don't know if that's true, but
4: I did read that. If
0: I go, you go too.
4: Well, the cool story is is that supposedly she shot him, and then while he's dying, he's saying. She needs to be killed by this axe-wielding woman that kills her, and then they're buried together. Well,
0: at the same time. I'm gonna be honest, Terry. If you ever shoot me, I don't want you buried anywhere near me. <laughs> <laughs> Forget you. You're on your own. Enjoy your new life. Just kidding. I love you. Just if you're gonna shoot me, please like.
1: We have free burial plots up in Idaho, right?
0: No, no, actually. (laughs) It's just called a hole in the ground. The the family
1: plot around
4: up there? I I just
0: request that you shoot judiciously, aim judiciously. (laughs) Make
4: it quick. Don't make me suffer. Don't live for another day. All
0: right, so, but yeah, so I think that was something that back in the uh, ancient Egyptians did stuff like that, where they would have various pets or various family members or even slaves, um, you know, killed and buried with them in their tombs so that they could assist them and aid them and they could have their servants I could be completely off my rocker but that sounds right yeah I think you're pretty close on that one so um so they were buried there you know on the same hillside and they're actually not in in the city of and proper or the city of where Petitne's village was it's actually out uh, about oh maybe about 30 miles away out in what's called the Cedar Valley out a place called Cedar Fort and uh At this point, um, down there in Petit Neat, inside the museum, there's pictures of the chief and his wife that are kind of hung in a place of honor. And uh, so the the academy, the building, the museum,
2: it bears his name. And there's a beautiful statue of Petit Neat out in front. um... On the west side? Yeah. Yep. Yes. A lot of people enter from the east side, but that main entrance
3: is the west side, huh? Yeah.
0: And that's where the where I was telling you it's uphill, to that's get from that statue up
4: exactly.
3: up the
0: hill up to the school. Ice
3: blocking there in
0: the school was phenomenal. That hill. Awesome. I'm sure that's exactly what he had in mind yeah. when he was alive. is like, that's what that's what his tribe did. They're like,
1: <laughs> there were people sledding there the night we got there to investigate. Yeah, yeah.
0: this <laughs> is true. So tell us about the the uh, the school and some of the uh, famous folks from the school, Josh.
2: So. The school has one very famous uh, teacher. Her name is Irene Corbett. Now, you wouldn't think too much about, you know, most of the teachers back in you know, the 1800s. Um, but they had an interesting rule back then. It was only unmarried women could actually be teachers. And so, at the age of 24, 1905, she actually married. So, effectively, she lost her job because she decided to get married. So, um... After she lost her job, she decided to uh, t- to go into nursing. And this was actually a decision that was really going to uh, change her life forever. So and she realized that there's only really one place for her to go to school. And that was over in London. The lying, the general lying in hospital in London. So her family and uh, church members really didn't want her to go over, overseas to London, you know, unlike today where you just you know pop a flight and be there in eight hours. Now this took a, a ship or something to cross the Atlantic. And it was months, you know, of travel to get there. Well,
3: and at this time, she had three children.
2: She did. She was
3: married with three little kids too.
2: That was a huge sacrifice. Yeah, that's a huge, huge commitment. Yeah. So. She's over in London and it's only about a six month course to become a midwife. And she's, you know, she's all excited. She's all happy that, uh, that she's gonna graduate. So she sends a postcard home and it says, you know, hey, I'm happy, you know, I'll be home soon. And I'm taking this grand new giant ocean liner, the Titanic. So her postcard shows up in Utah, but she never does. The interesting thing about this is Jamie and I have been to the Titanic Museum.
1: In Branson, Missouri. Yeah.
2: yeah. And we saw her stuff there. So when we walk into this museum in Payson, never having been there before, it's like, we know her.
3: Wow, you remembered.
2: Yeah. Wow. So it's kind of like a kindred spirit piece.
3: Well, I think she's the only one that Utah lost on the Titanic. I think so. I think she's the only one that was a resident of Utah that died on the Titanic. The other thing I had read, too, that was interesting is, so she had actually gone to school and gotten her nursing degree at BYU Academy or whatever. So she was just going to get this midwifery, you know, midwife, uh, but it was the best school, you know, and she was insistent upon it. Her family made huge sacrifices. His family didn't want her to go, and it caused a big riff between the two families.
0: So it's like the Oxford of, like, nursing schools?
3: Yeah, exactly. A midwifery school. And That's- she had sent a picture home of the graduating class just right before she had graduated. Did you see that picture? And she's at the top of the picture, and that symbolized, that was, they, have, they were in order of graduate like, the... Highest grades or whatever, you know, and she was she was at the top. She was a phenomenal like She
0: knew how to do babies better than anybody else.
3: So there is. Yeah, it's a cool picture.
2: It is cool. That picture made it home as well, so she sent that picture with the, with her postcard. So it's a horribly tragic story.
3: It is because she left. I think when at the time of her. De- dying her you know going down with the ship i think her youngest was 22 months not even two years old i think is what i had read very sad
2: that is very very sad
3: and they but it is sweet they have a, a room in the petite that's dedicated to her and it's set up like a classroom and and they have a mannequin that has similar looks as she does and then her titanic poster
0: yeah and oh, there's was there like a boarding pass or something they had there too and
1: there was a replica of a boarding pass of the. Office. Ah, that's what it was. It was, it was a replica. It was an
2: original. But they for the replica. There is a copy of the newspaper article about the sinking of the Titanic and her death on the ship. So that that's real close to that uh, that display. All right. Well, let's talk about the
0: investigation. Who wants to lead us off there?
3: We had the coolest guy that came from the um, from the society. The because they have somebody come and sit with you. And we had the most awesome gentleman. He was very helpful and, and um, just cute, cute guy. Good stories. Um, we went and we set up in the, um, so we chose to go set up in the newer building, the gymnasium, and kind of set up, that was our kind of our home base, and everybody kind of got their stuff prepared. We did a little tour of the building. Um, so we knew where everything was, and it was just awesome to be able to split up and take turns. Like, I think me and Jamie paired up first, and then we ended up kind of finding you guys, uh, you know, the rest of the group, and it was just really, really awesome, I thought. What room did you start in, Laura? Oh, uh, we started in the dress room. Amazing room. What happened yes. in the dress room? Awesome.
0: What's in the dress room? First of all, what do what you, you, if you walk in the dress room down there, it what looks is this
1: place? like a big, fabulous walk in closet <laughs> full of clothes, like dresses. Beautiful. Like, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Back when they, you know, had better style. So they have like a dress of Shirley Temple's um, that's in there. Um, was a Doris Day? Mm-hmm. Was another Doris one Day. that was in there? There were two. There was two in there from Doris Day. Yeah, I mean, it's
3: just amazing. But then there's like pioneer clothing too that the Absolutely. pioneers would have worn. So it's not all glitzy yeah. glamour. No,
1: there's morning dresses in there, you know, the black, and then after a while they graduate to, what was it, like purple? purple? Yeah. <laughs> the yeah, they had purple. Yeah. really awesome flapper
3: dresses in there too. Yes, They did. <laughs> what was your favorite part of the like being in there, like we, there was a lot of energy in there. There was
1: energy, but I think my favorite part, I just kind of sat on the floor and I just kind of listened to what you were doing.
3: Which was sleeping.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she went, she crawled under this really fluffy dress and just curled up like a cat had, and went to sleep. <laughs> Did you really? Oh, yes. <laughs> no, you did not. I
3: didn't. I mean, I did. Yes, I did.
1: You could have. It was so warm and cozy in oh, there. You could have fell asleep. Was so
3: warm,
2: yeah. So the interesting thing about that room is that's the original lunchroom of, of the building. So in 1936, when they started serving hot lunches, they served it out of that room.
3: That's right. And it's not that big. I mean, when you think of a lunchroom.
2: You think of a big like auditorium. Or something along those lines, yeah. and this couldn't been more than what, fifteen mm-hmm. by fifteen? Was that? Oh no, big? it's probably more like thirty by thirty.
3: It was a little bigger. Than, it's I bigger think than it was that. Bigger than fifteen by fifteen. I think with all the dresses in it and, and stuff, it seems it a feels smaller. smaller. Yeah, it, it's not what you would typically think of as your lunchroom.
0: It's probably the size of most people's living room. Maybe a little bit bigger than that. Yeah, I, I don't I know. Thirty right. by thirty is a
3: huge room. Yeah, I think wow. that's bigger. I wish had I had. It it's big bigger than most room. people's right.
0: Yeah, I I would say thirty by thirty. That's just my guess guesstimates. But it had a lot of stuff in it, which does make it real enclosed. Because there was the center thing that we were walking around too. So, um, but there were several. I mean, this is just one small corner of the of the the, the floor. This is in the basement level, and then uh, the next uh, a room just across the the hallway from it. That was the room we started in. That's the room that we started. in. That's Elisa and Terry and I started in, and they call it.
1: Yeah. I don't know, I was going to say, I don't remember what we they called it. They call
0: they it. it the Western Room, is that mm-hmm. right, Josh? Yeah, the Western Room. And so, what do we find? Well, the coolest thing that, that drew us into the Western Room was that there was, besides all the cool Western stuff, and I'm into that, you know. But they had stuff uh, from the Donner Party. Now, if you don't know what the Donner Party is, check it out, Google it. It was a pioneer party that went through Utah, took a different cut than the normal route going to California and Oregon called the Hastings Cut-Off. Caused them all sorts of delays. They ended up getting in uh, to a pass over near Reno, and they were just late because they took they had been plagued so far, and got caught in the snow. And some people actually had to resort to cannibalism. But so there was artifacts from the Donner Party that was in this room, and so that's what drew us in. What did we else, what else was in there in that room besides the uh, the the Donner Party stuff? There was something else that was kind of cool in that room that was uh, display wise.
4: Well, they just had um, carvings of people that have like wood carvings. They've had just things that people had donated just to kind of showcase Payson, I guess, the older community in Payson.
0: And then right off to the side of it, the thing that probably drew me into that room the first was that there was a little, a little room. It was probably only six by eight, if that, probably about that size. Yeah,
4: and it was it seemed short, like very it short. Like short.
0: And they had converted that into an old blacksmith shop, kind of Which what an old used to shop
4: be the would be. Shower room, right? Bathrooms. No, the kind of whole the, the whole so western room,
2: room was bathrooms. the actual bathrooms. So. It was like bigger than the lunchroom. It was, but that was both men's and women's, and so I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> there was <laughs> hopefully
0: there was a divider wall yes, dividing the a wall restrooms. somewhere in there. <laughs> so in this, uh, yeah. So we were in there in this in this room. Do you want me to keep talking about it? Or? Oh,
4: so in this. In this room, I don't actually really remember what was <coughs> in the room, it's just what I felt in the room. So when I walked into the room, it was just like, ugh, something creepy and dark just spills in here, something that's like angry or just angry. So, and it felt like it was a male, and so it's like, Yeah, there's something right there, there's something, and then you had, you had, Lar had seen it too, or like felt it, right? yeah. yeah. So we sat down and we started our EVP sessions and started asking questions and stuff.
0: Now, through the whole time, uh, Elisa was doing uh, she was listening through her recorder, but she had headphones on the whole time. so yeah,
4: doing live, you, you know
0: Terry and I are talking and just hearing things with our own our own ears. but yet at the same time, Elisa's sitting there uh, cross-legged on the floor, listening to stuff come through the recorder. So she's hearing things that we don't always or she's hearing things amplified that we don't necessarily hear. Yeah,
3: yeah. Live, in the moment. Because right. she's got the headphones on, which was So it's, it's cool
0: recording, and she's listening to it live. I,
4: I'll be honest, the main reason I did that so i going to go back and listen to my own Hours and hours. Oh, yeah.
1: But it's really cool, though. Uh, okay, well, so the first contact of the spirit that we had down there um, was a uh, Lady named Haley, right? Mm-hmm. And we actually got an EVP of her, which was... was We sat, we were sitting there, and we were trying to make contact and ask if there was any spirits down there that was willing to talk to us. And so Mike, you know, he goes, you know, we're sitting here by the Donner Party stuff. Is there anybody from the Donner Party that's interested or willing to talk to us? And all three of us, I mean, of course, Lisa had her headphones on, but me and Mike heard it too without our headphones. We heard a little, you know, female voice go, here. And so we've got a really cool EVP of that that Josh is going to pick for us now.
0: So the folks that were with the Donner party, can you just uh, give us a little sign that you're here?
4: They're back. Did you just say here?
0: So the folks that were with the Donner party, can you just uh, give us a little sign that you're here?
4: They're back. Did you just say here? <laughs>
3: That's a
0: microphone. <laughs> so while you were listening to that, and you all come back, we're laughing because Lara hit her face <laughs> on the microphone and it made an it awesome beep.
3: It was my headphones. Today. Are we okay? Yeah, I'm good. I, I'm, I don't think I'm concussed. I think I'm all right. All right.
1: So it was really neat that we were able to hear audibly, but um, <laughs>
2: that was the chair. I
1: don't believe you. <laughs> um. But she wasn't actually from the Donner party. She just took the opportunity to stay here because we were, you know, asking for contact. And in conversation with her, we found out that she was there with her husband. No, she
0: was actually a... She died when oh, she, no, was, she
1: was... Oh, no, she was the teenager. Yeah,
0: she had, had passed away at the age of 17. Uh, supposedly, she had died in a car accident. They were on their way to a school dance, her and her friends, and there was an accident. And she was killed. I wasn't able... I did a little bit of research on the interwebs... I wasn't able to find any evidence of a Haley that was killed in a car accident out there. But I mean, Petit is on a... right off of a, one of the busier highways. Uh, one of the major highways that was through the town before the freeway was put through, before the interstate. And so, yeah, there is a busy road out there and it would make sense that there were accidents out there a lot, especially when you get teenage drivers, no offense, teenage drivers, I'm about to have one here within the next year. but. Uh, But she said that she had been uh, killed in a car accident and was on her way to a dance. So we talked about her missing the dance and the excitement of going to the dance. And Terry and Elisa really, you know, I don't know, she felt there was like a connection there because of that. So, but she was actually really cool, very positive. And we started talking to her about uh, the other spirit that was down at the bit, the, the overwhelming presence was the older gentleman that was in the blacksmith shop area. He was the one that had that heavier feel to him. Um, you guys described him kind of like a crusty old man, right?
3: Yeah, he was He was just... He was nasty, gross, crude, drunk. Like, he, he was just not well kept. Like, he just was a mess.
0: I'm imagining him in my head kind of like, like a really crusty, stinky Pete from... Uh, From the... the, Was it Toy Story? Story. Yes. The the Kind of a prospector-looking type of thing with the grizzly beard and just like, you know, missing teeth or rotting teeth and just...
3: He was a rough character.
0: Yeah. So, he was a lot of fun, though. Um, And so we were talking with uh, Hallie about him, or at least the girl she said her name was Hallie, and uh, we we got that his name was Charles, right? It was Charles. I called him Chuck or Chucky just because... To, you, know, you know, just to work with, work work with him or, or tease him, him or, or piss him off or whatever. Um, <laughs> and that's where we got probably the coolest of the EVPs. Um, I was asking if they ever, what did I ask? If they to—if they ever talked to him or if they ever include him in their conversations. What was it exactly? Do you remember, Trey? You were kind
1: of asking um, if they ever talked to him or something. And then you kind of said, no, they're not going to talk
3: to him.
0: Because at this time, I was also using my dowsing rods. And so I was getting the answers. And so I said no, because the the rods indicated that he'd said no. And then Elisa heard, we didn't hear it live, but Elisa heard it through her headphones. And she's like, oh my gosh, did you guys just hear this? I'm like, what? And so this is what she, do you want to introduce it? Or you want to just play it?
4: Uh, We can just play it. Do you guys talk to him?
0: No, no. Was that you?
4: To... Do you guys talk to him?
0: No, no. Was that
3: about...
0: you? That's so cool.
4: <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one, you did, that's an awesome one. That was the favorite of the night for sure and to hear it as it happened. And first when I heard it, I was like, wait, hold up, I just got something. And then, but Mike had talked right after that But I was so focused on listening. I really wasn't paying attention to what the questions are being asked or anything like that. I was more just like zoning in on seeing if I could hear any live EVPs as these questions are going. And so when I heard that, I looked up at Mike, I'm like, was that you? And he had said something after that, but after I had gotten the EVP. So, and it was a completely different voice than No. Yes, I love
2: this. He sounded so like grumpy or he fit, angry.
4: He fit the description. I
0: you feel could like. feel that energy as well yeah, when you yeah. were well, when you know when we were talking about him and talking to him. You could feel that energy that he was just a cranky, nasty old man, yes. or not. I mean, not, I don't know how old he was, but he, he put was, out he was that
3: decent, of decent age. That
0: curmudgeonly uh, you know, aura.
3: But yeah,
1: it kind of confirmed, because you got no on the dowsing rods, and you said no, and then right after that, you can just hear him just come out, just really mean. mean. No! But then shortly really after that, you guys came in with us at that time. Yeah, it was about that time we
3: entered, me and Jamie. Yeah, and, and then uh, you you had an encounter with, with Charles. Yeah, well, I went back into the black ships. <laughs> That is not what was going on. It did
2: used to be the restrooms.
3: Okay, so yeah, we came in and joined you. Jamie and I came in and joined you, and I went back into the blacksmith's uh, room there where he was, and just trying to get a feel of who he was and what he, you know, what his story was. And there was a lot of really gross stuff I picked up on him, um, some of which I shared. And Mike validated through the rods, I think, or Terry, you might have as well. Some of them, I can't remember for sure. But um, I—he actually touched me um, fairly hard on my bottom, <laughs> on the bottom side you, of you, my back. You've
0: already Second. said worse. You can say, "Young, your butt, rub your ass."
3: He slapped my butt. And I didn't appreciate that. But we kind of determined that he was hanging out down there because they were the bathrooms. It, yeah, we and determined... He used to go down there and spy and be a creeper. On little kids. On the cre- on the kids. Yeah, yeah, we determined that and validated that with the rods and stuff.
2: But this was after he had passed. So this wasn't... Right. Before, this wasn't why he was alive. This was right. as a spirit he was doing the creepy stuff. So Correct. he's
1: been down there for a long time. So then after we were done down there, we went up to the mid-floor and we went into the... War room,
2: right? Yeah, the military room. Military room. So we actually attempted to do what's called the Estes method. Uh, For those of you who uh, are not aware of what that is, you take an SB7 spirit box, you hook up um, headphones to it, you run it uh, at high volume, so you kind of block out all the noise in the room, and then you blindfold yourself. And so that individual is listening to the SB7 and saying any words that come through, while the rest of the room is asking questions,
3: the, the person with the headphones cannot hear. Correct. And they're just spouting out whatever they hear yeah. from the SP7.
2: So, and that was the first time we ever tried it. And so um, I found a little on the challenging side. I was the one under the, the headphones. Uh, and so it would be like, oh, I think I heard a word. And by the time you realize you heard something, it's like 45 seconds later. So none of it would have made any sense. Right.
0: But part of the problem you had was that your SB7 was so quiet, you could still
2: hear us. I could barely hear you guys, but yeah, I could still kind of hear. So it wasn't like a whole total uh, total deprivation of noise. And we had the SB7 cranked all the way up.
3: And we were trying to whisper, but we're not very
2: quiet
0: people. It's hard. (laughs)
3: <laughs>
1: you can't whisper for the recordings. <laughs> this is true. It
0: <laughs> sounds
2: like an EVP. Like, wait, what's that? <laughs> All <of our>
3: training. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so that does make it a
2: challenge, right? So you want to speak with a, a normal uh, voice so that it doesn't sound like a whisper on your on your digital recorder so you don't mistake it for something else. And so it was just challenging for us in that way. Um, but during that whole time, uh, or yeah, during that time, we actually hooked Terry up And she used an app and her and another set of headphones, and so we kind of had like a a, a twofer going for that.
1: Yeah, I got moved to the other corner of the room, so Josh was on one side, I was on the other side. But the interesting thing about that is, as soon as I sat down and put the headphones on, Josh got my name to the SP7. Yeah,
3: he's he, which was
1: crazy because I didn't know he said my name until I listened to it like that night after we got home. I didn't know that he had said my name. After I put the headphones on. And we
0: were trying to reach out to veterans, because I mean this room they call it the military room, but there's a reason why. I mean it's got all sorts of military uniforms from the past. There's model airplanes of pretty much you name it. And it's in there. I mean it was it was very cool if you like anything military. It had all sorts of things. There was some weaponry. There was a flag over by Josh that Josh kept moving the flag. And so we're sitting there in this really dark room, and I keep seeing movement over by Josh like, there's something over there.
2: Because he's holding on to the flag and moving the flag. Well, and interesting enough is one of the words I got through that I didn't say out loud was the word flag. Um, and so I was like, oh, maybe I should hold on to the flag. And so that's why, you, if you guys looked, that's why I was actually touching and holding on to the flag. It felt like it was something that needed to be done. Um, that's cool. Yeah.
1: No, but it was hard. I mean, because you're trying to determine, was that really something I heard or not? And so it's like, do I say that or do I don't say that? Because there was things that I was gonna say, but didn't say, and held back on that.
2: I wish I would have said. Yeah, and, and it's tough too, because like when you're running the sb 7 depending on which way you're running, it forward or backwards, um, you can get words out of it, especially when you're hitting radio stations that are actually active. And so you're like, well, that was a, you know, a DJ or something else. And so it does make it much more of a challenge to make sure that you're actually saying every, you know, the right things. For sure.
4: But what I think was cool is during the whole process of us doing this, the people that were on the other side of the of this investigation is that we started feeling things, and the room started to change. And like we could feel um, a cold breeze come in. And one by one, I was the closest to the door. I felt it first. I think then Mike felt it, mm-hmm. and it just started going through everybody. to then made its way over to josh and then but the air was not on it was no. the
3: heat was on yeah it yeah. was all right
0: it was pretty stagnant in there yeah it was yeah. it was there's not there was a lot some of radiators anything.
3: on but there wouldn't have been a reason for a cold but no, it was draft, really yeah. cold it wasn't even just like a little cold it was you really know it cold. got cold because i f- started shivering and
0: for yeah. investigators we typically know when when you're sitting there and you're investigating and all of a sudden you get a big hit of the chills and that cold feeling Typically, it means something negative or something angry has entered your space. That's usually what makes all the little hairs. If you're watching any of the ghost shows, it's what makes all those little hairs stand up on their bodies. And they're like, oh my gosh, I got chills. Look at these. Look at my hair. Yeah. Look at my arm. Yeah. And that's what that was hitting all of us. And... Uh, and but there, there was that one. There was also... Do you want to talk about the other one for in a minute? Don't go for it. So there, there was that one, and we got him in there, and... Determined that he was not a, a happy, a, not a good spirit, um, and we were concerned about Josh and Jamie. Uh, but he, he did go out, or not Josh and Jamie. Sorry. It was at
1: that, that time I started getting like really negative and nasty swear words through my app on my phone, but I wasn't going to repeat those out loud. Interesting. Which is, I started getting some. I'm not going to repeat them, but I started getting some really nasty swear words through it, and then it was about that time you guys pulled me out.
0: Yeah, first we pulled Joshua. We were we were concerned that with that uh, sensory, I don't really want to go too much into like sensory deprivation, but where they were at a spot where they were kind of not focusing on protecting themselves and they were more they were, vulnerable. they were a lot more vulnerable. Um, we kind of made the decision, you know what? Let's pull them out and abort for right now.
1: Because I had my eyes closed and I had the headphones on, so I couldn't see <laughs> or hear much of what was happening in the room.
2: Yeah, and I had my eyes closed too, so yeah. I couldn't see anything going on either. So, you really are in a vulnerable, open state at that point in time. So it's good that we had, you know, people with us to keep us safe in that avenue.
0: And so we determined that he's what we call a a, a it was a type three or we or a, what we call a, an inhuman spirit. And didn't didn't you hear say hear him say something like I come from the river or, or the from the canyon?
4: The
0: was it who was it that, heard that? was that you, Lara? Yeah. So we told Laura he came from the canyon. He's like, well, you can just go right back to the canyon there, poser. Head
4: on out. Because we didn't feel anything negative when we first came in the building, the building was—it oh, no. felt good. Like it felt like it was going to be like a fun, good night. Nothing with anything super negative. So to have this all of a sudden, bam, happen, it was—it was more taking us off of off guard. But then, what's cool is with all of our experience that we've all had accumulatively, that. You saw us go right into action. Everybody did their thing that they were supposed to
0: do, and everything worked out fine. We eventually got him cleared back out, and things kind of returned back to normal, and uh, he didn't come back. We kind of excused him. There was another one that was really cool, though, that was uh, affecting you, though, Alisa. Um, his name was James. Do you remember him? So there was uh, there was a spirit that was behind uh, Elisa that she could feel him putting his his weight, like his... His hands on your yeah. on your shoulders. Do you remember that now?
4: A, l- a little bit.
0: Do you want me to keep talking about it? Go you want for to? it. Okay. So we were asking questions about you know with, whether he was a veteran, and this is before this uh, this negative entity had come in. Yes. yes. And they were asking. There was something about cousins, and Terry was getting stuff um, through her headphones, and was and it was interesting because uh, and he was like really sad. Um,
1: that was where some of my answers added up and matched to what you guys yes. were getting at the person that was Yeah,
0: player. and they were like spot on and yeah. almost instantaneous, and it was actually really cool that way. Um, meanwhile, Josh is over in the corner trying to go, what the heck are
4: they?
0: <laughs> 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 but that's okay. It doesn't always... This was all for science, right? Well,
4: yeah, because I remember because I got... I felt like that a lot of pressure, and then I remember feeling really sad. And normally, I... Because I was so focused on listening to the EVPs, I'm not in tune with feeling anything, really. So when it happened, I was like, oh, wait, what? Like, what's going on? And it started to affect me a little bit. And it was really cool that Terry had gotten things that just matched up. Like, so one
0: cool. of them was like, help him.
4: Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know,
0: and it was it was really interesting. It was like, okay, well, well, we'll try. We'll try to help him and stuff. And then through the conversation, and then at the end of it, like, well, there we were just things got kind of more quiet. And then all of a sudden, over in the corner, Josh goes, fixed it. And then she all of a sudden <laughs> so cool. felt so much lighter yeah, it was really over there. Light. And that pressure kind of lifted off of her. And it's like, oh.
1: <laughs> Have you listened to what happened during in that room, Josh? Not yet. You need to go listen to it. Because there were things that you said that added up. There were sometimes where me and you both said some of the same things. There was. Absolutely. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, you need to go back and actually listen, because Mike played it for me off of his recording later Were that you, night when we got
3: home. Were you video recording it,
2: Yeah, it's it's we got a video recording of all of it. So.
3: Yeah, you should go listen to it, because it was really
0: cool. Not everything made sense.
4: No. Not all of it added But
0: up. some of it did.
4: So, enough, enough of it, it did, did. But it added up when it needed to add up.
0: Yeah. And so it's one of those things like, am I 100% sold on the method? Uh, I want to give it some more.
2: We
1: need to right. do it again. We yeah. need to do it more.
2: Cool. It I was cool. but So the, the theory behind the SV's method, and this is part of the, I want to say, uh, cautionary tale of doing this thing, is you end up becoming the antenna for the S 7 And so you're being used to actually generate the information. And so it is something that is... Um, I don't want to say dangerous, but it's something that you definitely need to be cautious about. Never do it alone. Always have somebody there with you. Absolutely. You should never investigate alone.
4: And don't do this unless you're experienced.
2: Absolutely agree.
0: Yeah, safety if when anytime that you're uh, investigating the paranormal, safety always needs to be first. And there are some things it, it can go sideways real fast if you're not prepared for that. And so that's why we had several of us in the room and you know, when, when you were in there, I know sometimes with this method, people will say that they felt like it was like a 10-minute thing. It's like, no, that was like two hours, man. Did you feel like that at all? Like it was it was only a brief amount of time that was actually much longer?
2: Yeah, it didn't feel like we were doing it very long. I have no idea how long that we were actually doing that for.
3: It was a while. Almost an came, hour. We kind of came out, and then, we ha- and then we did it again. Wasn't there a break in between a little bit? Yeah, we stopped at one point, break, point yeah. and then that was when we put me in with him
1: like, okay. yeah. cuz we pulled him out and said hey, we're going to do this so he knew what was going on, but right. Yeah. Cuz when he first went in, he didn't say anything.
2: We're like, I know. Are you hearing anything? <laughs> well, and What's that's going on. And that's when we were running the sb 7 forwards. Yeah. And so the reason why I didn't say a whole lot, and that's when I got flagged the first time in those pieces, but the reason why I didn't say a whole lot then is because when you're running forward, you're you're cycling at a rate that's not super fast. And so you'll pick up on like DJs and other ads and stuff like that so it was really tough to try to determine what was coming through and so then after we put terry on the the, the app and the headphones i switched to go backwards because
3: right i feel like it's more accurate backwards So it's like you'll hear spirits more than you'll hear djs
2: right it makes sense yeah, because yeah, I just, would
1: prefer using it backwards than forwards. Yeah, I like it backwards. And
2: I just don't like it at all.
1: <laughs> I
2: don't like the noise. It's actually not when you have headphones on. It's not as bad. It doesn't seem to be as bad, but then again, it's not as loud either. Yeah. And so the next time we do, we just have to find a way to amplify that yeah, because sound. Because when you're not
3: using headphones, you're using an external speaker, yeah. which is loud. It's very that loud. Makes sense.
2: Which which is I think what took me uh, by surprise is cause when we when we normally run an external speaker, um, it's deafening. Like you you lose yeah, all the annoying. rest of your senses. Yeah. And so I was like, Okay, I'm you know, I'm getting ready to hear just this loud, awful cycling and it just wasn't that way. Interesting.
0: So we tried that. We also tried a different experiment that Josh wanted to do. I think at this point, after we finished with that, um, I think Lara, you left, and I think Elisa left, and Terry. I don't know if you left.
1: We were there for a short period yeah. of it, the beginning and
0: ended. He, he wanted to see what it would, what the, if how it would work with uh, dowsing rods. If I, so if I'm holding the dowsing rods, which tends to be one of my things that I'm actually really good with, it works well for me. So his, his theory was he wanted to see how. It was if I was holding the rods, but if I couldn't hear the questions to see kind of how the answers worked. And so I put on the Spotify, and I'm listening, jamming to music, and they could hear my music.
2: It was very loud. I was Are
3: out you? in the hall, he's trying to keep Yuckies from entering the room again, and I could hear him out in the... Yeah, he's... But
0: it kept me from hearing what anything you guys said, which I figured was my point.
2: Yeah, yeah. and that part of it did work.
0: So... Um, and I don't know if there was anything. There were. It sounds like there were some where it answered legitimate, and then other times it was just going all over the place. And I don't know. It was just...
2: Again, I'm kind of inconclusive on that one.
3: Um, I think we need to do it again, though.
2: Yeah, and I think um, that one was interesting, too, because the reason why we did it that way is there's a theory out there that uh, when you're using dowsing rods, the individual using the rods can potentially predispose an answer based upon how they feel about whatever topic or, or piece that you're discussing. And so, expand on that. So, for example, if um, if you're asking a question um, that you already that you already have a predisposition for, like, um, is football great? Um,
0: or I played football so obviously the answer is probably going to be is football better than close, hockey? Close, well, mate I wouldn't go that far
3: No so, or, or if Terry's asking a question Mike's more inclined to agree with her because that's his wife or right. some things, things like that Right, a exactly
2: little... and and so or in, in the sense where um, the other part too is a slight movement of your hand can actually make the rods move and can and cause that type of of Positive or negative response. And so, figure that if we block out the rod user from me actually being able to hear the questions, we can see what type of actual responses we get. And so, we did get yes and no answers according to the questions that we asked. I know there were times where it was just pointing off to like the left. There's another point where it was like spread all the
0: way out and pushing all the way back. And I'm just like, I have no idea what's going on. But and then that goes into, and that was part of the fun of it, was just trying to figure out how it would work. Um, personally, I have a, I have a theory with dowsing rods where, um, and this goes, maybe this is going off track too much, but with dowsing rods, so we all have a spirit inside us, right? And so spirits can communicate with uh, the spirit that's inside of my body. And on, I notice a lot of time when I ask a question, I will hear the answer in my head, as it's either right before or right as the rods do their thing and so i'm not sure whether the spirits actually move the rods if the spirits move my hands if the spirits tell my hand my body what to do and i subconsciously do it i'm not 100 percent sure on that i know that terry feels energy though like when they do things to the rods
1: well yeah i can tell when spirits change on the dowsing rods by the energy that comes through them so I know when I'm talking to one of my spirit guides versus a spirit that's in the room. But I have also had it where a question is asked and I have an answer in my head, like, yes. But then the dancing rods say no. So I've had it the opposite of what I had in my mind, too. So that goes to show that I'm not moving the rods thinking mm-hmm. my answer.
0: And that's why we wanted to experiment with that. Just kind of see what things answered. We, but you, Terry and I have also had experiences where... We're holding the rods, and there's a a spirit that's actually tugging on the rods. And that's not something that my body is going to, you know, do with my hands. This sensation of, it's kind of like if you imagine having a fishing pole out in a lake.
1: No, I've actually even had it where there have been spirits fighting over the dousing rods. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, they're going this way and then they're going this way. I'm like, okay, between the two of you, one of you got to let go and let one of you talk and then we can take turns. Right. So I've even felt that where they've been fighting over the dowsing rods because both of them are so eager to talk. Wow.
0: Right. What I was talking about with the, the fishing poles, though, is like if you had a fishing pole out in a lake and you see the bobbers sitting there and then you see the tip of the pole gets tugged and goes down and you know that you've got a bite, uh, there's one particular spirit in, uh, out in the Benson Grisnell that's done Yeah, we talked about him in the
1: first episode, so what, go back we? and listen. Yeah, go back to episode one. Because I talk about it in my experiences. And
0: so, I, that's not going to be me, you know, or my subconscious that's making those tuggy feelings. Cause it's
3: not a natural... It was wild, yeah, it was it's cool. It's not a natural feeling, or a natural action.
0: So, point is, we need to do it some more. Yeah,
1: we'll be doing Absolutely. these again. Absolutely. On our next investigation, for sure.
0: This is what we call science and investigating. It's not always just talking goes it's trying things out.
1: Okay, so see what works. else happened that night? Anything else?
0: I felt like I needed to put on big band music to figure figure that's going to appease the spirits in the war room, right? With these old veterans here and I mean we already had Josh who's a veteran talking we're like, well, maybe that's a connection. And I don't know if that necessarily struck a chord with any of them or not.
2: I don't know. I and I guess that's a good question. And and I still haven't gone back through and listened to the audio that we that uh, we were running, and so I'm not sure if we caught anything in that avenue or not. So then I started playing like the Chattanooga Choo Choo off my phone
0: <laughs> in the room, and it was it was loud enough. I'm like, all right, if you want me to keep, to keep playing this, I want you to cross the rods, or I want you to. We actually had a REM pod set up in the room as well. I was like, I want you to go turn on, go touch that antenna, and make the light go off. Um, no, so we. Uh, you know, I was trying to see if I could trigger them or entice them to go touch the the, the antenna on the REM pod, make it light up. Because this is my new toy that we got for Christmas, and I want to see it work. And I was like, okay, if you want me to turn this off, you know, go touch the REM pod. Or, and then it's like, okay, well, if you want me to keep it on, go touch it, turn it on. And no responses. I don't think they liked it. I don't know. Maybe they were more like REM fans or, you know, Spice Girls. I don't know. Apparently they weren't attached to the big band music, so after that we kind of closed up shop in there. We were running short on time. There was other rooms we wanted to go investigate.
1: Well, Lisa and I went down to the dirt room in the basement. So we went down there and uh, so it's dirt gravel down in the basement and we kind of had to like go under some pipes and go all the way back down in there. And um, It was really loud because we were down there by all the pipes and the furnace and everything. And Elisa had her headphones on. And uh, so she was sitting there just listening. It was really quiet, just the two of us down there. I don't think anybody else was down on the bottom floor. Just the two of us were down there. And after a few minutes, she's like, Terry, you need to listen to this. So she hands me her headphones. And I put her headphones on and then I'm sitting there listening for a minute. And I can hear somebody's crying. So I take my headphones off. And I'm like, it sounds like somebody's crying. And Elisa's like, right? So, I mean, she didn't even tell me what she had heard. And then I put the headphones on and you could hear it. So somebody down there was crying. And it was a female. It was a female that was crying. But we couldn't, beyond that, we couldn't get any contact from her. We were trying to get, we were trying to say, you know, we're going to help you. Is there anything we can do for you? We weren't getting any responses, but we knew that it was getting really close to time to go. And so
4: and the thing that, that I caught was it felt very um, heavy down in that room. Oh, yeah. So it was really, really heavy. And so I I don't know if that was more residual. What we heard, it kind of felt like it was residual, but it, I more felt like Native American presence down in the basement in that dirt floor.
1: Because there's the whole Native American display that you walk past to get down yeah. to that. Well, line. and I
4: think when we were doing the
3: tour, both you and I picked up on Native. Yes, because we you
4: through. guys went back yeah. down there on the tour. That's yeah, right. because when I was a kid, I used to dance there multiple times a week. And so um, I would do ballet downstairs. And when I was in my ballet class, afterwards we'd wait for our parents or whatever, and there was a door to the room of the dirt floor and underneath where all the pipes were. And when I was young, there was old desks for little kids, uh, old toys down in that room. And so I loved going in there even though it was a dirt floor and I had my ballet outfit on, uh, that room just called me every time I went down there. And so, I that was the first place I wanted to go when we got there was I want to go to that dirt floor room. And they had changed it since, so it wasn't the same anymore. But I was hoping those items would still be there, but they weren't. But it was, it still felt that you know that heavy feeling.
1: Yeah, the further we went back, you could definitely feel the heavier it got. But the interesting thing is as we were getting ready to leave, we you know, were like, okay, well, we're going, you know, if you need anything, you know, we can come back to help you or whatever. But then right as we were getting ready to leave, we hadn't moved yet. We were still standing still. We heard a rock get thrown
4: mm-hmm.
1: and um, didn't see it, but we definitely heard it.
4: And I knew like the sound was from our left. Yeah, it was from our left. Kind of down. It sounded like it hit the wall uh-huh. and then dropped to the floor. Uh-huh. So Does
1: that come through on your recording? I don't know. I didn't go back to listen to that. <laughs> It'd be I interesting if like it came through the recording. But yeah, it was in, it was really interesting to have that rock yeah. thrown and we're like, okay, it's time to time go. Time to go. That's the <laughs> sign.
0: <laughs> so while you guys were down there, um, Josh and Jamie and I went across the hall from the war room into a room that had a whole bunch of old typewriters and cameras and stuff like that in there there was an old switchboard
2: yeah there's an old uh, operator switchboard and so if you've never seen one of those before it's the old mechanical ones where someone that you know the operator would sit there and pull a cord up and then plug it into whatever connection port that they were going to do and so uh we took our very very first tour there um we, uh, we had a, a, a wonderful uh, city employee that gave us a tour through, Jamie and I. And we asked, like, when you're giving tours to kids, do they even know what that is? And no one knows. None of the younger generation knows. Well, they don't even
0: know how to use a rotary phone. Well, that's true. And there's a rotary
2: dial on that thing, too.
0: So you just know, it's like, that was how you used to text people back in the day. <laughs> like, oh, I get it, Okay. So uh, we were trying to, now uh, Jamie's brother Stacy was was there with us as well. He's uh, another member of the team that was investigating and he had indicated that they had felt a presence over there earlier in the night in that room. So that's kind of why we went in there. And again, it it was was pretty mellow in there. I mean, to to use the word dead in a non-pun is kind of how it was. Uh, They had said that they'd heard a hiss in there. They we wanted to hear
2: the hiss. They heard they were hearing, like, metal on metal. Like, if you were taking a, a knife and sharpening it or using, like, a whetstone or, like, those... Uh, as they described it, or as Stacy described it, um, one of those uh, metal rods that you would for a chef, like the, the mm-hmm. butcher's block, you know, you're running the, uh, metal on metal. So that's what they said that they were hearing over in this one corner. So we wanted to go in there and check it out and verify.
0: And the cool thing was we heard it too and we were able to debunk it because yeah. not everything about ghost hunting is ghosts i mean that's what we we want to debunk it and so um it actually we determined that it was actually one of the old school heaters that was coming on and it was actually the sound that that made when the i guess the steam coming through it or whatever but it was up. it was the sound of the radio yeah we were yeah. able to debunk it which was really cool because it's nice to be able to debunk things you know that we don't always understand
2: yeah, but we did end up uh, coming in contact with a, a spirit there. Mm-hmm. Um, she was kind of hiding out in the back. I guess it would be the back right corner.
0: That'd be the southwest corner. No, the northwest corner of the building, um, and that's kind of where. Uh, Joshua happened to be standing. He, he tends to bring out the spirits. They tend to like him, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but there was a little bench over there, and uh, he was able to sit down, and she didn't really want to talk much at first, but then we kind of coerced her into it. Yeah, and she I,
2: actually came and sat down next to you. She did. And, and you could, like I was sitting on the, the right side of the bench, and so I was like, hey, you know, if you want, you just come sit down at the bench next to me. And you can just get this feeling that there was... Someone else there like I got a little fuzzy and my left arm kind of went a little cold um, And so you can kind of feel that there was another presence there on the bench And then that's when we were able to actually start talking with her
0: and she was actually very pleasant um, I, In my in my head in my mind's eye. I was imagining a a short kind of pudgy little lady um, maybe Hispanic or Native American you know, or or half-breed, um, but you know, hair kind of up in a bun, and just very happy and just pleasant. And she had a really good energy about her. She did. Um, we did ask if she was attached to anything in the room and, you know, it, it, kind of working through the questions and whatnot, we, we determined that she, and with the dowsing rods, that she was uh, attached to something in a case that was over here just in the wall, just by Josh, right where where Josh was was sitting. So we went over there, and it's like, are you attached to this? No. To this? No. And we de- determined
2: that there was a, was a drum. Yeah, it was a drum, and it was a, a prize that she won for like an essay contest, like first grade essay contest.
0: Um, and we, I believe her name was Ina. I'm not I'm not 100% positive on that one. You'll have to go back to the museum and go check it out and go see if you can find the drum and see if the name's there.
2: Absolutely. Now you
0: have a homework assignment. <laughs> and if you're coming from Holland... It's going to be a long it's a long flat. trip.
2: So don't forget. But I think that
1: pretty much wrapped up the night.
2: Right. I, I think so. That pretty much. Is we the ran out of night. time. I we mean, did, we all wanted to we did do, a do more.
1: Picture and went home. <laughs> we
0: all yeah. wanted to do so much more. But, you know, when you're out there doing uh, investigations, you'll find most of the time, the time runs out faster than your energy does. Yes. Yeah, so. If, this
2: and this would, why
3: we need to go back and investigate.
2: Yes. yes. Absolutely. And the funny thing is, too, is even after a 12-hour investigation, you realize that you still want to be there and do more. So, That's how we know we love this. Absolutely. Which is really neat because our next investigation is going to be two days. Well, Not today.
4: So
2: excited. Two days two long. Two days long. And we get a
4: sleep there. Two sleeps. Yes. It's two sleeps.
2: So our next big investigation uh, for CPR is going to be at the Old Idaho State Tuberculosis Clinic or oh, Hospital. In Gooding, Idaho. In Gooding, Idaho. So... We do have our uh, story of the week.
3: What, we do,
1: what we're trying to do is we're trying to get uh, our listeners to kind of interact with us a little bit by sharing uh, any strange paranormal experience that they've had or their questions. And so we reached out and told people, you know, to submit their stories. And if we chose theirs, then we were going to send them a window clean.
0: And this was like on Facebook or...
1: This is on the Paranormal Speaks podcast as well as the CPR group and page. So these are on Facebooks? Yes. Okay.
2: This week's story comes from Lisa.
4: Thanks, Lisa.
2: Hi, Lisa.
4: Hi.
2: We want to say thank you for sharing your story. So she says, I grew up in a haunted house. We could hear knocking coming from the walls. All of my friends were afraid to come over. We sometimes would see the lady hanging as she hung herself in my brother's room. So definitely kind of terrifying.
3: That would be scary. That would be so creepy as you as a child. Yeah. Thanks for sharing, Lisa.
1: Josh, did you not reach out and kind of ask her some follow-up questions to kind of elaborate on this? And and I believe she answered you, right? What were her responses and what did you ask?
0: Yeah, I want more than just that. That's kind of, you know.
2: So I got some more clarification from her. Um, this is a, a so she saw these things when she was uh, actually quite young um, probably six, uh, seven years old so this house um, I don't know how exactly old it was maybe 60s or so um, but the basement used to be in an apartment so there was a kitchen area and then some bedrooms and stuff like that and so this lady older lady so she said probably you know, 60s, 70s, um, she lived downstairs in that basement. And so she ended up taking her own life and, in that room. Um, and sometimes they would see her hanging. Sometimes they'd see her walking around. So it was an actual hanging. It was actually somebody
0: that had committed suicide, and then she would see images or see a spirit hanging. Correct. Okay, so that's that's more creepy than... Yeah, that. Yeah, it's
2: actually quite creepy. So,
0: well, cool. Well, that uh, kind of leads to the point of uh, you know, if you want, if you have stuff you want to share with us, if you have questions, if you have feedback, if the show sucks, keep it to yourself. But if you like our show, tell us about it. Tell us what you like. Tell us what what things you would uh, you would love to hear about. If you have topics you want us to talk about,
1: like and review us. We'll read your review.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, doesn't mean if you if you suggest something doesn't mean we're gonna do what you suggest but uh, and we may or may not share your story but we uh, we want to make you guys happy we want our listeners to, to feel involved with this podcast we want you to be able to enjoy it and tell all your friends tell your family, tell your co-workers, tell your neighbors tell the guy down that works at the 7-Eleven down the street, tell everybody about this podcast and where you can find us uh, Terry, tell us, where, where on Instagram can you find us?
1: You can find us on Instagram at Spot underscore paranormal underscore research. One more time. Coldspot underscore paranormal underscore research.
0: So, that's on Instagram. Now, if you're an Instagram. old person like me and uses Facebook still, because Facebook's apparently on its way out, uh, we're on Facebook, Josh. What's our Facebook pages?
2: So we have the Paranormal Peeps Podcast Group. It is a public group, so you can come and join us. Oh. You can find us also on Cold Spot Paranormal Research uh, Group and Page. Okay, then we're also, uh, we have a YouTube page? We do. Uh, Our YouTube channel is uh, Cold Spot Paranormal Research. You can find us there. We will be posting uh, a video of our continued investigation on there. I think right now there's
0: four videos on there. Three or four, and I was watching one the other day. This was before I was uh, part of the team, but they did a trip to Waverly Hills, and it's just a, a picture montage, like a collage of pictures set to Holiday Road by Lindsey Buckingham. And I loved it. And I, I can't wait to do a road trip so that I can be part of this. So, and then lastly, we have our website. And this is where you can reach out to us um, if you have something going on in your home that there's something you want to come and uh, check out. And if you're in the uh, Wasatch Front area, um, then, uh, you know, reach out and we'd be happy to help out if we can. And what's that, uh, Josh? That is
2: ParanormalHope.com.
0: All right. So check those out. If you have any questions, reach out. Otherwise, we've taken up enough of your time. Go do something productive with your life.
2: Stay ghosty, my peeps.
0: Adios, muchachos.
2: Thank you for listening to the Paranormal Peeps podcast. You can find us on social media at Twitter at CPR Paranormal, on Facebook at Paranormal Peeps podcast and Cold Spot Paranormal Research. And you can find us on Instagram at Coldspot underscore Paranormal underscore research.